put it at 45 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, we do thank the church and Brother Jackson for, for inviting us here. Well, it's been some great messages, and I just really appreciate it. I'm so glad, Brother Brooks, that I'm not the only one that still trembles and shakes. I ain't been at it for 30, but it's about 17 or 18 years. I hope I never get over that. I do. Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of John. The Gospel of John in chapter 10. Man, the, the singing and the specials about the suffering of our Savior. I wish I, I, I can't, I cannot sing, but one day we'll all sing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Let's look here in John chapter 10, look with me in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This is the commandment have I received of my Father. We're preaching on the power at Calvary. And in verse 18, our Lord says, I have, the, I have power. And I have the power. I have power to lay it down. Let's pray. Lord, we need you right now. And uh, Father, we're asking you to do that work that only you can do. Lord, we're unworthy to even speak these things. But for some reason, Lord, you chose to use us. Father, we pray you'd use us again. Father, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit. You said you'd give it to those who ask, but we not ask. We don't ask for ourselves, but we ask, Lord, that your Son would be glorified. Father, if there's one here that's not saved, Lord, I pray that this would be the hour that you'd pull back the curtain and let their eyes see the suffering Lamb of God. Father, we'll praise you and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, no sermon, no one sermon, I don't think any lifetime of sermons, I don't think all of us preachers collectively with a lifetime of sermons could ever adequately cover the cost of Calvary. I mean, it is the theme of the Bible. 
It is the scarlet thread that runs from the Lamb of Genesis to the Lamb of Revelation. It is the theme, it is the center and circumference of all of Scripture that God would send His Son to lay down His life to redeem His people. It is, it is. And I, I want to get say this and to the point so some may misunderstand. You know, we're all at different spiritual understandings here. I want to talk a minute about what the power of Calvary is not. First of all, the power of Calvary is not what Jesus died on. Okay, now some believe it is a straight beam, some believe a cross beam. Whatever structure of wood it was that our Lord and Savior died on, it wasn't the cross that Jesus died on, it was the Jesus that died on the cross. Uh, It's not the water Jesus walked on, but the Jesus that walked on the water. You know, over in Israel, if you've ever made a trip over there, they'll, they'll sell little splinters of of, of the cross. Someone has estimated that they've sold so many they could probably build a small subdivision by now uh, in those. It's, it's not holy relics. It is the Holy One. It's, 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 it, it is the Christ. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what and how, but it, it, it's, not, it's not where he died. It's not even how he died. It's who died. You know, people say, well, he was crucified. Well, there were thousands that have been crucified. Well, he was innocent. I'm sure there have been many that were crucified innocently. What makes the difference is, is he was the sinless son of God. That's where the power is. Is that he was the, he was the lamb of God. You know, they're, 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 it's so powerful to know that, that, that the Savior of the cross and the suffering of the cross. Too much we, we get caught up into relics and religious worship and it's idolatry. And, and uh, Brother Jackson would know about this. And Brother Collier, bro, Brother Clarence Walker, he would have a vacation Bible school in Lexington with thousands of kids. And he would bring out a crucifix. And he would say, children, is this, who is this? And the children, I mean thousands of kids. They had VBS for about two weeks, all day, all night. Is this Jesus? they say, yeah, it's Jesus. He'd take it, bust it out. Hey, Jesus. Jesus isn't on a cross. Jesus is sitting in heaven. No one pe- preached against Catholicism like that man. We, put all, we talk about a cross, and we talk about all the things that happened, but it's not about what happened, it's about who it happened to. And it's about who recognized what happened. It's about God. It's that Jesus said, I have the power. First of all, I want to say that the power of Calvary is seen in the vicarious death of Christ. In the vicarious death of Christ. He says simply here, he says, no man taketh my life from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. We won't turn there, but in the, in the Gospel of John here in chapter nine and ver, 19 and verses 9 through 11, Pilate is talking to him. He's asking him some questions, and, and he gets a little frustrated. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, he, gets, he gets frustrated. He says, don't you know that I have the power to... To sentence you to death. And, and Jesus says you have no power except for what was given you from above. You know? Uh, uh, the, the power at, at, at the cross was not, it was not the Roman power. I've heard people, I've turned on, it was 
a while back when the movie The Passion of the Christ came out and they were arguing on CNN and one guy was saying, oh, the Catholics killed or the Romans killed Jesus. And the other one said, no, no, it was the Jews that killed Jesus. No, Jesus laid down his life. It was the Father that required the life. It wasn't Pilate. It wasn't Caiaphas, the high priest. He said, I have the power to lay it down. You know, someone will come along and say, well, now hold on, Brother Rob. Now, a lot of people, we can lay down our life. People can take their life. They have the power to take their life. Yeah, but you know what? The, uh, the word power also means right or authority. Jesus is the only one that had the right or authority before God to take his own life. He laid it down. It was the vicarious suffering on that cross. It was voluntary. It was voluntary. He just laid it down. You know, he, he didn't die a martyr's death, did he? He didn't die on accident. His death was substitutionary. Second Corinthians 2, 5, 21. He who knew no sin, that's Jesus Christ, was made sin. That we, uh, he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. And we're accounted righteous through him. He, he, he gave it as a substitute. He owed a debt. I mean, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Jesus came and he gave his life as a voluntary, substitutionary death on the cross of Calvary. But not only that, and secondly, the power of Calvary is seen in the judgment of sin by the Father. Thank you, Lewis. You stepped all over that earlier. I heard Brother Cogger one time say, he said, anybody can wear a cross around their neck, but can you pick up your cross and follow our Lord? That's right. There you go. Did I get that right? All right. Well, here we go. But what is Calvary? Really, what's the power of Calvary? It is the power of Jesus to lay down his life. But what is it? It's God judging sin. It's Jesus paying the payment for sin. The Bible says that it pleased the Father to bruise him. The physical suffering of Jesus Christ is horrifying. I mean, they beat him. They covered his eyes and smote him in the face. And it's to prophesy who it was that hit you. The Bible says his visage, that's his face, was so marred or twisted, more than the sons of men. That literally means that his face was so beaten that it wasn't recognizable as a human being. They plucked the beard and they, they took him and they, and they scourged him and they, and they whipped him. And they, you've heard it before about the, the whip that they used with nine different tails, the cow of nine tails with, row, with different hooks, some say bone, some say metal, some say glass, whatever it was, and they would throw it into the back, and then they would pull down with the wrist, and it would literally fillet the back of their victim, and some Roman reports say that it had actually disemboweled many of the victims, and they whipped him, and they scourged him, and they beat him, and they they did all this suffering and pain to him, and they nailed him in the palms of his hands and in his feet. They mocked him. Put him in open shame. 
Cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. He took our shame. Know these little pictures of Christ has him as a as a loincloth on covering himself. Our Lord was crucified naked. It was God's intent to expose his son. Expose his shame. And there the dying lamb of God suffered on our behalf. But that's not the real suffering of Calvary. A lot of men had endured that. Some innocent men had endured that. The difference in this day is the Bible says that he will make his soul an offering for sin. I am the Lord, I change not, I cannot look upon iniquity. And so God covers the earth and and darkness covers the land. And and in these last hours of the cross, he he is pouring out his soul unto death. And, and, And the cry of separation, because God could not, is holy and just and cannot look on sin. And his son has now become our sin. Stop right there. If he could not look on his own son when he became sin, how do you have any possibility that he can look on you if you're covered in your sin? And the suffering of Calvary is summarized in this verse, in this saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Son of God and the Father have been split. This is beyond our our comprehension. It really is. It's beyond our comprehension what happened at this moment. It's beyond theological explanation. Three and one get separate and now completely forsaken of the Father. You know, many will come along, many a heretic will come along, I'll, I'll repeat that. Many a heretic will come along and say that Jesus' deity left him in the garden and that, and that it was not the Son of God that died on the cross. That's heresy! It had to be the Son of God that died on that cross. Because only God can absorb God's wrath. He, how is it that Christ in six hours could do what it would take the sinner for an eternity to do? Because we're mortal and we can never consume an eternal God's wrath. It takes an eternal God to pay a payment to an eternal God. And Jesus is paying the payment. His soul had become an offering for sin. And he's dying there. Yes, he died on the cross that many will come along and have the swoon theory that, oh, he just passed out and went out. No, he died. He died till the rocks broke open. He died till the, till, the, till, the, till the sun turned to darkness. He died, I tell you. He died till the veil was rent in twain. He died till the dead raised out of the grave. God wanted everyone to see the power of his son and that his wrath was poured out on him. People say the cross is a picture of life. Oh no, it's a picture of death. It's a picture of death. It's always been a picture of death. Calvary is a picture of death. Calvary is a picture of judgment. You want to know how much God hates sin? Look to Calvary. 
You want to know how much He despises our sin? Look to Calvary. That's where our sin was judged. That's where God's innocent Son was crucified on our behalf. He was forsaken. But we may be received. Oh, man. He may bring many sons. He no longer even moves many people. They don't even... It's just, it's just an old story. You know, they could care less. They've heard about the suffering of, of, of Jesus on the cross for so long that it no longer moves them. It says they're disinterested. It, it's, 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 like a, it's like something that they just, it just don't even bother them anymore. Many of you may want to check your salvation. I want to say this. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to paraphrase. You can look it up. It says, The gospel which we preach, how the Christ died, and whereby you are saved. You look up any Greek dictionary you want to look up, and, that's, and that is, it should be translated, and by we are being saved. Because there's three tenses of salvation. How the Christ died according to Scripture, was buried and rose again. Well, people say, well, we've been saved. We don't need to hear that no more. No, 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 no. I am being saved in the work of sanctification through the preaching of the cross of Calvary. Because every time I look to that cross, it brings me back to the horrificness of the penalty of my sin and causes me to not want to commit that sin. That's what the, that's what the table does, table talk. That's what, the, that's what the Lord's table does. That's why he says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of him that we, we need to remember, we need to bring back into our minds anew and afresh the suffering and the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord. Lastly, I want to say the power of Calvary in Christ is seen in the redeeming of his elect. We see that right here in John 10. We see verse 15, as the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's not a... He's not a martyr. He's not a good example. He's a sovereign warrior doing battle for his elect. He's here, to, he's here at the will of the Father to redeem his people from their sins. Many preach Christ died to make salvation available to all. Others preach he made salvation possible for all. But the Bible teaches us that Christ died to make salvation certain for his sheep. That's why he came to die. And, and, and yes, it ought, to, it ought to cause us to be emotional, but yes, it ought to cause us to not just be emotional, but it's, it, it's a victorious. Turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. The book of Colossians. I was going to quote this, but I wanted to see you. you know, sometimes we need to see it, and sometimes it needs to see us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Blotting out, Colossians 2, 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. There's the law. 
There's the law that, that was written. The law has condemned us and put us all under sin, and Jesus wiped it away. Matter of fact, in that day, they would actually, if you were a prisoner, they would come, literally, and they would write out your sentence on the wall, on a plaque that they would hang on the outside, and then they would come and they would blot it out. And you know, how, and you know what they would do when they would blot it out? You know what they would write in? Now, this isn't biblical, but this is historical. They would write in the word Celestai. As they wiped it out, that's what they would write in, paid in full. But he goes on, he says, he says, and having spoiled, I love this, principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Oh, I want you to know that there was a satanic battle at the cross that we do not understand and our eyes cannot see and we do not, we will not understand until we get over into heaven exactly what he did to destroy the powers of demons of darkness on that cross. But the word here that is used, triumph, is referring to a triumphant procession, a Roman triumphant procession. When they would come and, and, and an army would, would take over an army, they would, they would destroy one and they would bring back into their land, they would bring back the spoils and the captives of the land that they had conquered. And the Bible says here that he was victorious over the demons of hell, making an open spectacle of them, triumphing in them. I mean, the promise all the way back to Genesis was that he would come and crush the head of the serpent by bruising his head. Now, I understand that he goes about as a lion seeking whom he may devour. And I, I understand that, that one day, uh, you know, he will have his ultimate put down. I understand that. But I want you to know something. Jesus Christ destroyed the works of Satan on the cross. And, and now sin no longer has dominion over you and me. And, and he's, he's done away with the law. He's done away. And he is triumphant. He's victorious over the law because he's the only one that could keep it. Victorious over sin because he who was tempted was without sin. He's victorious over the devil and the demons of hell. He paid all the sins of all his people for all time and eternity. And that's why we preach the cross. Because we preach a victorious. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. The power to reverse sin's penalty. The, the power to free us from, the, from demonic oppression. The power to reverse all the dominion and control. And the power to restore Adam's race. You know, every now and then we'll misquote. We'll say Jesus was the second Adam. Oh, no, you're wrong. He's the last Adam. <laughs> He's not the second Adam or there could be a third or a fifth. You know, a fourth. No, the Bible calls him the last Adam. He came to restore unto man what we lost in the garden. By Adam's voluntary disobedience, Jesus through his voluntary obedience and sacrificial death and perfect keeping of the law and righteous life laid it down as a substitute on our behalf. His blood speaketh better things than that of Abel's. Abel's blood cries from the ground for revenge. Jesus' blood cries for forgiveness. Of sin. I tell you, he's, he's, he's the son of God. That's why we preach him. He's God's suffering servant. You know, we preach him the cross and the way that, it, that Jesus is sovereign and that he redeemed his elect. That means he bought them out. 
he, he's going to get everyone. He's, he's going to secure them. Talk about the eternal security of the blood-bought believer. He bought us. He secured us. No. God the Father chose us. Jesus redeemed us. The Spirit will bring us. I mean, salvation, but it all comes down to redemption and the power of the cross. That's why we need to preach the power of this cross. He didn't come to try to save men. He came to redeem men. A couple of years back, I had a lady come up to me and ask me to preach the funeral of her daughter. She's about, she was in her mid-60s, early 60s, and her daughter had overdosed. She was a wreck. I was there at the hospital. And she was in tears, and she just kept saying, where's God and all this? My heart was broken for her. He's the same place he was. And they took his son. Hung him on a tree. That's where he is. The sufferings of Calvary is not just for, the power of Calvary is not just for the lost. It's for the saved. I've been pastoring now in Lee County for a couple of years and Two Sundays ago, a lady named Vanessa came up. She had tears, and she was just hugging on me, talking to me. And she she couldn't hardly speak, and she was just like, I just want to thank you so much. And she left. A year and a half ago, the Lord, she came, started visiting the church. And her dad her, her dad told her that she was, she was a meth addict. And her dad told her that if she didn't come to church a couple times, he was going to cut her off completely. Lord saved her. She was living with a fella, kicked him out, and she was crying the other day. and said, She said, from the time that I was baptized to the time that... And you know what? I didn't wait for her to get cleaned up to baptize her either. I baptized her after her profession of faith. And then we taught her to observe all things whatsoever. Just whoever that applies to, take it. All right? So uh, uh, we baptized her. And she's crying and saying, I've been sober since that day. That's the power of Calvary. Some people's got the commission a little mixed up. They got salvation and catechism, new beginners classes, and let's see if you're worthy, and then we'll make you a new member. Then we'll baptize you. No, that's backwards. Well, what if, what if they, hey, you say, you say, well, Brother Rob, I was telling Brother Jackson this. I said, Brother, you know we're having problems because I've got a lot, you know what? There's one that has stuck, but I can give you five or six other examples of just like that, but I ain't seen them in months. They come, they're back doing what they were supposed to do. They're back doing what they weren't supposed to do. I'm sorry, they're back in that lifestyle. Am I supposed to reorder everything? No. Keep preaching. Just keep doing what God told us to do. Keep preaching Calvary. You're here. You've got burdens. You've got suffering. We all do. Got difficulties. Problems. Heartache. Pain. Wayward children. There's a message for you there. His voluntary suffering, God's wrath, 
the redeeming of his elect. But there's a message there for the saved. That's why, that's why we keep preaching it. I have been saved, past tense, from the penalty of my sin. I'm being saved currently from the power of sin. One day, bless God, I will be saved when I receive that glorified body from the presence of sin. But the same thing that, that, that saved me in the past from the penalty of my sin is the same thing that saves me in the presence from the power of my sin. And that's remembering the sufferings of Jesus Christ. That's what sanctifies the believer. I'm not worthy. I don't know why he would save me. I still struggle with sin. My mind at times is as wicked as it's ever been. I got to keep coming back. And coming back. Saying, Lord, am I, am, I, am I bearing my cross? I, all, I, I loved everyone's message, but Brother Wallace preached that message, and I, I sat there. I said, do they all know I'm Jacob? I'm still Jacob. It's the preaching of the suffering of our Savior and the Word of God. Brother Jackson.